recording. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by Mason Joseph. And uh, this week we have a special in-house guest. Will. Yeah. That's Will, yeah. No no last name for you people. I'm not ready to make that <laughs> commitment yet. But I'm, I'm yeah. easy yeah. enough to find. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so Will is uh, relocating to the DFW area. He's one of our libertarian friends from the Peaceful Treason podcast and uh, one of the OG attendees of Childeberg. Yes. And so he's staying with me for a couple of weeks until he figures out where he's going to live and what the situation is. Yeah. And uh, it's been good so far. It's only been a day, but so far he's been a, a, a great house guest. Yeah, I appreciate the hospitality. Lovely house. Um, you know, enjoyed maybe helping out with some things. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping to earn enough. Uh, what do they talk about in the socialist, the, the socialist communes, like like work credits? I want enough work credits to transfer to Childerberg Town. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be good. Well, we got to take it against your pool use account. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we, we should have used the pool today, but because it was hot. But uh, we, I just had a bunch of stuff to do. And yeah, I uh, I was sitting in the dark, like in the shade. And I was like, man, I should go out in the pool, but I I kind I'm kind of comfortable as it is. And you know, you you can't you can't be too careful about skin cancer these days, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Given that, you know, Although, like my wife and I were both like tanning for the first time, like intentionally. <laughs> yeah. We're like five minutes. Well, it's aside. also that'll that'll be okay. Well, one of the things that's nice about about here and and the pool as well is that it, it stays hot enough late enough that you can kind of go out and swim when the sun's gone down. Mm, yeah. And uh but it usually starts to cool off around nine o'clock, so it gets a little bit too cold, but you can kind of like around eight, eight thirty or so when it's kind of very dusky then uh, just go out there and it's a nice swim. Plus there's, there's also, if you wait long enough too, the, the tree blocks the sun. So the pool is shaded, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So All right. the best, the best things always happen at the twilight, right? That's true. You know, Except for driving. <laughs> it's like the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, given, uh, let's I was go. Gonna say, given that I've got good night vision. Yeah. The twilight is the worst time to drive. People have the people have their headlights on. It's like, stop it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have like, uh, not, it's not night blindness, but one of my eyes doesn't adjust to the dark very well. So I hate going from light to dark yeah. because it takes so long for the one eye to finally adjust. And like, then it says like one side of my face doesn't have vision <laughs> for like, for like 30 seconds or 40 seconds or something Jeez. like that. It yeah. just takes so long. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, same. I'm, I'm almost blind in one eye. It's it's uh, it's a good thing I relocated here and, I, and I'm no longer driving for a living to, for the yeah. safety of others. Yeah. <laughs> right. Man, I, have I ever told you, Mason, that story about the guy who drove me from Camp Burton in Washington at the airport? Multiple times. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that was, was like, he he was, was, I think we talked about that on the show multiple times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's terrifying. Great. Yeah, because well, first of all, like as we're driving, he's asking me to read him the signs, and and then he just kind of nonchalantly goes, "Well, you know, I'm legally blind, and I can't turn my head." <laughs> and he's a trucker. And I was, yeah, yeah, and he was a trucker, and I was like, "Oh my god, like this is, 
this is horrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a legally blind trucker with a disabled neck, so he can't actually like look behind him. <laughs> oh, and he can't read any of the signs. But somehow he knew how to get to the airport, which I guess because he you know, grew up in the Seattle area. Yeah. I'm going to need him to drive out to Dallas to drive me to Childerberg. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can drive the uh, he can drive the he can drive the wine van <laughs> yeah yeah he's a nice guy he's just he's a kind of a lunatic but uh no, i mean like he's, no offense, he's a real nice guy he goes to camp burton <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah they yeah. kind of have that flavor of like might they be do, a lunatic yeah. and like i really want to go so it's like yeah we go to the hippie commune this sounds awesome it, well and it is it is it is pretty awesome like they're like the people are they're wild but they're they're good people yeah. So, all right, let's go ahead and do uh, beer reviews. Or, well, I'm doing beer reviews. Are you doing a wine review, Mason? I could have done a beer review, um, but I will be doing a wine review. All right. Well, why don't yeah. you tell us what you're sipping on? So, I had the Barbecue Zinfandel, which is a 2016 um, Zinfandel. It's 14.5 ABV. Um, it's from Renwood, it's a winery. Um, I believe it's another wine from Amador County. So like I had that other one I sent you, the butcher old, yeah. like, like old butcher or whatever. Um, this was a uh, out of Amador. So like, I mean, Amador is two hours from Lodi. Would you say? Uh, yeah, probably, probably two, two and a half hours, two, two and a half hours, hours, I think. And yeah. it's such a different wine. Like, you oh, know, sure. it's 4% alcohol less than most, you know, like most Lodi Zins, you know, cocking in at that yeah. 18, 17 thing. And like, you know, how like with the ABV, it could possibly be like a percent lower at most. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 13.5 for the bottle I had. Like, it was really light um, in the alcohol, the and it wasn't that dark. That was the thing that surprised me the most. It was like a, a really beautiful, like garnet almost. Like it was darker than garnet, but like you could definitely see white light through it. Um, kind of grippy mouthfeel. Um, not a lot of acidity. It didn't have a huge, huge punch. Um, had like lingering, like red wine, kind of some fruit flavor, and then like a heat that kind of kicked in afterwards. It was really good. Mm -hmm. And it, I got it from, um, the, that wine shipment that the, the group on my parents got me. So it was one of the oh, reds cool. yeah. from there. And it's like two from like Amador County, which is super surprising to me. One, cause like I hadn't heard of Amador County until like a year and a half, like half a year ago when we mm -hmm. were talking about trying to get wines from like Amador and like those like up in, up in your area, um, in California. Yeah. And then, here I get two randomly in a shipment from a Groupon. <laughs> and that's cool. And yeah. it is it is kind of a growing region. Like Amador's is definitely like, I guess, as uh, the saying, making their chops. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of up and coming. They do, well, actually the Zinfandel, not, not all of it, but a lot of the Zinfandel there is actually older than Napa Zinfandel. Yeah, and this was uh, supposedly like from right around the corner of like the oldest, like, um, the oldest, uh, Zen vines in the country. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, it, it's, I don't know. It's like a twist of fate or whatever that those were able to survive prohibition and, yeah. um, just a really, really cool area. They also do, um, Italian varietals there and, and very, it is different than a lot of it, Italian wine, but it is, uh, it, it's special in, in its own. I think it's, I think it's called Andalus is one of the, mm-hmm wineries that's up there that's that's really good and lose 
wine. Well, I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time. I think yeah. it's like Andalus or and Andalusian maybe. I don't know. But uh, that's like a big one. They've got a, They've got an Italian winemaker. I, th- I think he's Italian. He might be French, but uh, they do a lot of Italian varietals. They also do Zinfandel because that's, you know, California is famous for that. Uh-huh. Uh, and also the higher altitude. Cause I mean, when you're talking, when you between Lodi, which is I think below sea level and, um, mm, I think it's slightly above cause of the, so. okay. the Delta. It, if it was below sea level, I think I'd have issues with the Delta, even though the Delta is so not that, like, that right there, sense. right there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it is in the Valley, but, uh, it, it's, uh, I'm not sure what the elevation is, but when you get up into Amador or El Dorado, where I'm from, like we lived at 2000 feet and we were at the very, very base of El Dorado County. Mm-hmm. But then just going up a couple exits, you climb to, I think you get up to 6,000 feet very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just, it's a, once you get that altitude and you start getting those diurnal temperatures, your wine, the wine that you're getting develops a much different characteristic. And I think that's, uh, what, what, Amador and Eldorado County, you know, which is, is not as advanced, I think in wine growing as Amador. Um, they produce a lot of just a little bit more delicate, a little bit more interesting flavors, a little less punch in the face, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I, I like that also. That's why I, I like the Lodi cab and the Lodi Zin is that yeah. it is very, very aggressive and it has, but there's something to be said about the, the kind of lighter, more refined wines as well. So yeah, I, I, it sounds, sounds like a good one. Yeah, you know me, I like the I like the punch as well, but it definitely was one of those like it the retail, you know, between 13, 10, 15 bucks, like it, you know, kind of varied and it was sold out and it was a 2016, so um like definitely definitely awesome. Like it was a, a really good bottle of wine. I've had like only one out of the shipment that was weird. Um, wasn't bad. It just didn't fit my taste. Everything else, like the whites and the reds that I've had out of this shipment were great. Okay. Yeah. Do they, uh, do they ship them just single bottles at a time? No, this, uh, so the Groupons that like my parents keep getting me, it's like they ship you like 15 at a time. So it's like they pick 15 random bottles. Um, but the wine clubs I've done in the past, like actual wine clubs, they'll ship you um, three every three months. Oh, that's okay. kind of yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. So it's like oh, one bottle a month, but it's kind of like oh, I drank all three in two days. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> as as with all things in life, it's all about time preference. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say moderation, but time preference is even better. <laughs> Oh, I, I am anything, anything but moderation. <laughs> oh, Will, I can go next. You had yeah. you, you had some adventures and uh, today, and in one of your adventures was uh, picking up some beer that you were convinced by the salesperson to buy. Yeah, yeah, just a uh, oh, yeah, dog. Yes, they're just they're just barking. Ignore them. So, uh, <laughs> but before relocating down here, I, I got to try some Rar and Sons Brewing Company out of Fort Worth. Uh, but I, I only had a couple of their offerings. And uh, today being the Lord's Day, many, many stores were closed. But I popped into a little, uh, just a little, little small liquor store and was looking at their, their meager beer selection. And I saw a couple Rar and Sons I hadn't had. There was a Black Lager and then there was what I got, which is Iron Thistle, their Scottish Ale. The, uh, the guy who works there, presumably the owner, um, told me he had a few the day before. It knocked him on his ass. It was great. He came out around the counter, gave me a hard sell. I said, all right, sold, man. I, I was going to probably buy it anyways. 
And uh, I have to say, I've had a few Scottish ales, the most notable one being, well, there's a, there's a Oscar Blues has a, a little chub or old chub, whatever it's called. And then uh, Founders has a pretty good one as well, um, uh, Dirty Bastard. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be very malty, very caramely, uh, very, very heavy. They, they feel like they, they, they sink to your gut quickly and, 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 and convincingly. Um, this one, they claim to be full-bodied, dark ruby ale, creamy, subtle bitterness. I don't get any bitterness. I don't get any, any overly heavy malt. It's, uh, it's very smooth. Like it, would, um, it, it almost tastes more like an amber ale than a scottish ale um you get a, you you get a little bit of it like you can tell it's not a light beer by any means i think this checks in at a oh yeah seven percent so yeah scottish ales you know seven to eight percent but it's uh it's very drinkable very sessionable uh, i'm excited to go check out you know everything i've had from Rowan sons has been very well done for for its style yeah well hopefully um we can make a trip out there. Maybe Mason, if uh, well, I guess depending on what happens, if if you're here for a couple of days, at some point we can we can hit up a couple of the breweries in the area because yeah. it's fun fun to go to them and and it gives you something to do too, which is yeah. kind of fun. Do you remember uh, Turbo Dog, that uh, Scottish brewery? No, like there was a I think it was Turbo Dog. I forget what it was, but there was a Scottish brewery that like you could get two beers from at uh, Grape and Gourmet in Virginia Beach before they shut down. Um, oh. But Oh, maybe it wasn't Turbo Dog. Like I, I googled it, and it's not really coming up. But um, yeah, it was. Is, uh, it, is that the one that made uh, that made the Scotch ale that was bittered with uh, spruce tips? I think so. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. that the, that spruce tip one was really interesting. Yeah, but it like I can't find them at the moment. But yeah, it was uh, it was one of those cool like interesting beers. Like are interesting two beers, and I think one of them was a Scottish, uh, like a Scottish ale, and I remember it kind of like settling in you, and you're kind of like, well, "This is weird." <laughs> yeah, huh? And the only the only Scottish ale that like comes to mind, I know I've had more, uh, is that one that was that was bittered with spruce tips, and I just thought that was really interesting to use something besides hops to give mm-hmm. it that bitterness, and it and it did change the beer quite a bit. It was a very different. I mean, it's very piney, obviously, because it's spruce tips. But um, it was just the the texture of the beer was different. It was not quite as carbonated uh, with like the frothy carb. Mm-hmm. It was more of like a tiny bubbles. It was not still, but it was like very not not. It just wasn't carbonated very much. Yeah. And uh, but it was good. It, it had a lot of the stuff that it you know is malty, a lot of that caramel flavor and all that sort of stuff. But also mixed with this pininess that came from those spruce. And I guess before. Britain was introduced to hops because uh, it's not native there. They uh, they bittered beer with either ground ivy or spruce tips, and for forever ales were were bittered in those two ways. But they don't, it doesn't keep as well uh, when the hops really have a preservative uh, aspect to it, which makes them. Which is you know why IPAs tend to be very very hoppy is because you can if you hop them a lot and up the ABV, it it keeps for those long voyages to India. Yeah. I really want to try one that's bittered with um, ivy. Yeah, the ground ivy. That yeah, that was one of the things I was trying to when I had the garden at the Bessie Ross house. I was trying to grow enough ground ivy to do a a home brew bittered with ground ivy, but I could just never get the ground ivy to grow. Mm-hmm. It would it would grow a couple of leaves here and there, and then it would just die. I think it was it might have been just too hot in in uh, Virginia for it. 
it maybe. might be something that would maybe do better in like New maybe, Hampshire or something, you know, something that has a more comparable weather probably to uh, what's that? Oh, I, my house that's currently for sale. If anyone wants to live in Missouri, um, I have a, my, my tree, in my front yard has a tremendous amount of ground Ivy around it. I wonder if it's enough to uh, harvest for a homebrew. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's the right kind of, uh, of ground Ivy. So there was like a specific type called ale hoof. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I don't, I don't, it's called ale hoof is the, is the like common name. And then it's like, you know, IVS Britannicus or something like that as the scientific <laughs> name, like, you know, who yeah. knows what, what it really is. But, uh, but yeah, like, I guess there's different types. Like some Ivy is edible, mm-hmm. like that Japanese spinach I used to grow, Mason. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. That's a type, that's a type of Ivy as well. And that's edible. Um, it's pretty good. But, uh, then like the Ivy that like I've got out in the front yard is it's, it's a climbing Ivy, but I'm pretty sure that's not edible. I mean, it might I think be. it, I think it is edible. Like, I think it won't kill you. It's just probably wouldn't be good for you. It's, it's like, a the funny thing about like kudzu is like kudzu is apparently like super editable. Huh? And like there was, I watched a cooking video where somebody was like talking about like, you know, like the, uh, King of the Hill where like, um, Bill Dotrieve's cousins talking about like kudzu destroying the, uh, like the South and yeah, like yeah. I saw like a video of somebody like cooking with kudzu is kind of like a fuck you to kudzu. It's like, I'll eat you. We should all be eating. Well, I mean, yeah, it's if gone. it's, if it's edible, I mean, yeah. if it's edible, you might as well. And it grows like everywhere down South. So yeah, it's a, it's killing. Isn't, isn't that the one that's like killing like huge amounts of forests and stuff? I don't know if it still is, but yeah, it's a pretty intense. And then I guess they like, introduce the kudzu beetle or something like that to try to take care of it. But then that's a, a different problem. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll try anything once they, they could make, they could uh, make, make a beer with a uh, poison Ivy and I'd still give it a go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my <laughs> uncle speaking of poison Oak and poison Ivy, he grew up like near an Indian reservation. And this is a story he always tells. I don't know how true it is, but he said that, uh, that when he was a kid, one of the Indians told him that if you eat poison Oak berries, uh, it'll, it'll make you immune for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so he ate them and got really, really sick and like ha- had to go to the hospital and stuff like that. But he has never since had poison Ivy or poison Oak. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't that like close up your esophagus or something? Jesus. Well, yeah. It was, I mean, it gave him like this terrible reaction and made him just really ill, but, uh, you know, he doesn't get poison Ivy now. So, or poison Oak. So <laughs> like, I, like I've, but, you know, but, I've gotten poison yeah. ivy once, so like, well, I, I'm immune to poison oak. I don't know about poison ivy, but mm-hmm. like, I can't get I can't get poison oak. I've gone through poison oak bushes and stuff like that, not realizing it, and then somebody told me, "Hey, that's a poison oak bush." Or like, I would go out and play in the in the fields and and get all into poison oak and stuff, and come back, and then my dad would like pat me on the back and then break out in because he's terribly allergic to it, mm-hmm. and uh, so like, and my mom and I can't get it, or we we. Ju- as far as we know, we can't get it. We've t- you know touched it and been in it and stuff like that. And it never bothers us. Um, but I've never, as far as I know, I've never been in poison Ivy. And, uh, so I don't know if I'm immune to that as well, but something about something about my mom and me, we just don't get it. But my older sister and my dad are super, super allergic to it. And they get it like the wind blows the wrong way and they get it. Oh, wow. That's and, uh, crazy jungle, jungle gene on your mom's side or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so. And you know, um, Mango and poison oak are related. 
Mm -hmm. And my sister Jory, you know, when they lived in Hawaii, would like climb up the mango tree to get mangoes. And then when she got down, she's like, where did I get poison oak from? And she's just covered in poison oak uh, rashes all over. And it turns out they're related. And so people who are allergic to it, to poison oak more so than like normal, uh, have a bad reaction to the mango leaves. So if you touch the leaves, you'll get, you'll get a, a rash like you would from poison oak. That's pretty crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But I mean, like there's all sorts of plants that you're, that when you, when you start going into it, they're like in the same family. Like I, we've talked about this before. Is that like roses and apples are originated as like the same plant mm-hmm. many, many years ago, many, many thousands of years ago. But, uh, but there's like a ton of other stuff that are in that same family. So like pears are in the family. Peaches are in that family. Um, there's a couple others. I can't remember what they all are. There's, I think actually mulberries might be in that same family. Uh, it's just like, the, like these, these, no, they're not in the same genus, I guess, which is like more specific, but like, I think roses and apples, I think might be in the same genus or they're, they're close uh, or closer than others. Cause like you can do, you can do like weird graphs with rose with the uh, certain types of roses and apple trees to get like more roses. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting, interesting sort of interesting side tangent. It is. Yeah. But, uh, but speaking many, many sentences ago of IPAs uh, and bittering, I have an IPA tonight mm. and uh, I'm, I'm drinking a beer. I'm t- I, just didn't feel like drinking a wine. I think probably because I was, I drank too much on Friday, although I drank too much beer on Friday. So I don't know. <laughs> this, this is what I'm drinking, but it's a Cano bliss IPA uh, by Oscar blues. Uh, they're out of Colorado. I, I like this can of can of bliss. I had one or two possibly on Friday night and um, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's got kind of a tropical taste to it. It's a lot of those like kind of tropical fruits is, you know, mango, orange, uh, that kind of stuff. A lot of that citrusy flavor. It's 7.2% alcohol by volume. Uh, it was in this variety pack of Oscar blues that I got. I like it a lot. I, I recommend it. Um, I'm about to drink another one from them, uh, which is actually higher alcohol. I, for some reason I thought when I grabbed it, it would be lower, but, um, it's their, uh, good night. It's a G apostrophe K N I G H T. It's their Imperial red IPA. Ooh, doggy. Uh, yeah, I had one of these the other night too. It's a good one. And uh Mason, you'd actually probably like this. It's it's closer to those doubles and triples, I think. Mm, yes. Um, so maybe maybe I'll they're easy to get around here. They're like they're in at pretty much every store. So uh it's just a it's a good beer, a good brand. I, I got a couple of different variety packs. I got a couple of local variety packs, and then I got this uh Oscar Blues variety pack. Nice. You can't go wrong with Oscar Blues. They uh Unlike some of these breweries that want to do a seasonal for like every week of the year, they stick to like six or seven year rounders, a couple seasonals, and they fucking nail it each and every time. Yeah, they're good. And I'll tell you the reason I actually picked up this originally was because Will was coming down here and I, (laughs) and Mason, you know, notoriously, I read things wrong Mm -hmm. and spell things wrong. And I read this as Ozark Blues. <laughs> so I just read it. I just like, while I was going through, I was like, Ozark Blues. Oh, that's from like the Missouri area. I'll, uh, I'll grab this. And, uh, and then like, as I was drinking it on Friday and was just kind of like looking at the bottle, I went, Oscar. Oh, it doesn't say Ozark. <laughs> <laughs> 
when I when I saw Oscar Blues the first time too, I thought that uh, Nate used to drink that some of those. Oh, did he? I didn't like know Dale's that. Pale Ale and like Oscar Blue. Like when they had like just one or two out here, he had oh, it okay. occasionally. Um, huh? Yeah, and that was funny because like like as uh, Will was saying, like they don't seem to do a lot of different things, but there are a couple of breweries like. I know there's a couple breweries locally that used to do that where like they had, you know, five or six mainline beers and some seasonals. But like, if you went into the, if you went in, they had all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, uh, O'Connor's does that a lot where, okay. Yeah. Like they used to not bottle most of their crazy stuff. They would just have like brewer's madness and like, it would just be something the brewers tried and you could get it on tap. So when I like, I like too what, what, uh, O'Connor's, I don't know if they still do it. They used to do this, uh, but they used to um, do a lot of collaboration with local, other local breweries. They and still they would, do. They would come out. Do they still? Yeah. I don't like, A lot I mean, of times they had good ones. You know, that's the thing is like, does anybody do anything anymore? <laughs> yeah. That's like, true. And that's kind of the thing is like, you know, we'll talk about some articles we saw later, um, which is really surprising where it's happening. But yeah, they, um, they've got a bunch of different stuff. Like, I mean, O'Connor's is like, if Will ever comes out here, like pretty much the place he's got to go. Yeah. It's great. They just have so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's all good stuff too, which is, uh, you know, of all the breweries in that area that have opened and closed and, you know, um, they're good. Reaver beach is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually liked rep rap, but rep rap only had four or five beers. Um, but they were good. They're they a small one. Yeah. Uh, you said Coelacanth closed though, right? They did, yeah. Yeah, Coelacanth was good for just regular standards. Like, yeah, but they, just, they stopped doing that. Like they oh, went, they? they tried to do all the crazy stuff. Okay, yeah. I, I thought yeah. they were just good at, at just, if you want a good beer that's just a regular beer, that was mm-hmm. a good place to go. Like a, like I don't, I'm not crazy about lagers, but that type of stuff, if you want just like a good plain ale like or a good plain lager, something like that's crisp and refreshing, that was a good place to go. Yeah. It's like O'Connor's like they used to have like six year rounds now, but now they only have four, but they've got oh, like a whole bunch of just different stuff that they've done. Hmm. Like, okay. you know, El Guapo, which used to be a seasonal is now a standard. They've got the proper yeah. lager, which I've never had. They have the, the Otis dry Irish stout, but it's nitro. Yeah, I like now. that one. Yeah. Oh, it's nitro now. I yeah. don't, I don't like nitro beers usually. And then they have the Norfolk Canyon pale ale, but okay. like they, don't really have any of their other. They don't have Red Nun still. Uh, it didn't look like it. Oh, that's interesting. Red yeah. Nun was popular when uh, when we used to go there a lot. That was like other than the uh, Green Can. Um, I think Re- I think Red Nun for Normies was probably the most accessible. Yeah, I didn't even see Green Can on there. Oh, yeah, interesting. Some, okay, some of the, some of these ambitious breweries are you know are just going too far chasing whatever the latest trend is and not building up a big enough base. You know, I just left yeah. a home brewery, uh, mother's brewery. They're, they're fine. They were great. They had a, a their kind of most known, uh, highly regarded beer was their Imperial stout, the aptly named MILF. And <laughs> a, couple, right. a, a couple years ago, they, they bowed to a small amount of PC pressure to change the name. Because apparently MILF is is uh, sexist and misogynist or something, <laughs> but um, you know it, it's been kind of not. I want to say it's kind of downhill since then. And then they branched off to try and chase after the seltzer crowd, and they released a bunch of seltzers. Well, 
my I got some for my wife. She tried them. They tasted awful. And we <laughs> no, said, okay, yeah, we just won't get them again. Well, the other day, they put out a post where they're recalling all their seltzer because they realized that whatever reason past their testing date is it set on a shelf it got really really bad oh man it's like oh that seems like something you should have probably tested your shelf life <laughs> yeah but you know yeah. you're chasing that dragon of whatever the latest uh, fad and craze was yeah yeah cautionary yeah, that, tale <laughs> right yeah yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I, I think that that's kind of like one of the things Mason, you and I were talking about and, and it does appear like, and we'll get into, I guess, some of the news articles now. Uh, this is not, this is not related to any of the ones we have today, but that that is something I've been seeing lately is that like a lot of breweries are uh, like local breweries are kind of struggling from this because most of their business is made from uh, foot traffic. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they, if there's not, people coming down to the brewery and buying stuff and hanging out. It's, it doesn't, it, you know, it just doesn't work. Like they're, they got to close their doors. So this, maybe it's a reflection of the, you know, you talk, and I talked about this a while ago, where it's like how many of the businesses that are closing right now because of Corona probably shouldn't have been started in the first place. Yeah. And, uh, and this is just kind of the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, but it's an artificial, it's, uh, it, and this is the weirdest thing about this is it's like an artificial boom that led to a lot of these businesses existing, but it's also, they're being curtailed by an artificial bust. Like it yeah, was not right. even the market, like just signaled a break. The government just said, no. And, 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 you know, there, there is, I mean, that's, that is exactly what happened, but there's also like, uh, Skousen was talking about this on his blog that like he, you know, if you look at the geo numbers for the last two quarters uh it looked like we were getting ready for a recession like mm-hmm. b2b b2b and supply chain um had, had even though gdp had gone up but b2b and regular supply chain transactions had decreased by like almost two percent mm-hmm. and since gdp doesn't count they only count end product. They don't count business to business transactions. They don't see at GDP until later that something has happened because even though like, let's say, you know, let's say that you make widgets out of steel. Well, if I stop buying steel and I'm the widget maker, but I still have a stockpile of steel, I'm still going to make widgets mm-hmm. until I run out of steel. But if it takes me a quarter to run out of steel, but a quarter previously I went, Oh, we don't really have a high enough demand. Just stop buying steel that that NGO will be factored in because exactly. it's a business business transaction. So you can see that in the numbers uh, like a little bit earlier that uh, looks like things are not going too well. And, and it looks like the last, the last month of quarter four to 2019 and the first month of quarter uh, quarter one, 2020 had a pretty sharp decrease in B2B and supply chain transactions. And so it was looking like we were kind of headed for a recession anyways. And, this is just kind of the artificial thing that sort of pricked it. Yeah. And I, is- I, I can, I can attest to that working in logistics and transportation is that prior to COVID is when, you know, I had a situation where I had to transfer because of just hours being cut. There wasn't the B2B business there at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It just started, started declining. And that's one of the things that we had talked about before is like, were they going to try to find a way to prick this bubble without, kind of letting people know what was happening, you know, kind of, and that's what, you know, one of the things I've been kind of thinking is like, you know, there's this huge overreaction and 
there's people pointing to this guy who's been, you know, for years, like he's the only guy who runs this model in, you know, like viral studies or whatever. And he's routinely been saying that like hundred million people are going to die from this bird flu, uh, blah, 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 you know, 250 million Americans could die, you know, just like these insane numbers. And he's out of some like, you know, California, like, out of some California lab that like Bill Gates heavily sponsors and everything like that. And it's like, he's never been right. Like none of his models are correct, but like people like his is the, his is the model they're using to say that like, this was going to be some epic disaster. And like, you know, you and I have always been under the, like have had Jacob and I have always had this conversation of like, are they actually this dumb or are they just actually very, very smart and very, very wicked. And <laughs> yeah. like, are they, did they, you know, prick this thing with the idea that like with the Bernie movement and everything like that, that there would be no way that they could do an artificial expansion again, like, you know, have one last round at the casino. So did they go ahead and like find a way to prick it? Corona being the reason. So that way they could have another round of like QE and all this other stuff that like, right the norm, you know, if everything had been, you know, if it had just been businesses failing again, people, you know, like wall street, then people just going like, no. Cause like I saw like an article on zero hedge today that, and it, cause you remember it used to be Fang where it was like, right. now it's like fams or something like that. It's like F A A M S G like, cause it's like Facebook, Apple, alphabet, Microsoft. And cause like Netflix is out or whatever the other right, stock right. and like they've gone up 13% for the year, but the rest of the S and P 500 is down 12%. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so like, as we were saying, like, you know, as Will was saying, and you know, we've all been saying is like, there's a lot of, you know, business to business transactions that don't seem to be happening. And, you know, is like, did they, did they know these numbers were there and then they did something about it and the way they did it was this. So that way they could, re-expand things without people going wait 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 like this doesn't work like we never recovered and like you know will coming from like the midwest and us both being like you're not in the midwest but you're kind of like yeah like middle of the country yeah you're in the middle of the country now but like dallas isn't dallas is kind of like third coast almost you know where yeah yeah i guess yeah that would because it's so big um and texas is so different but like you know, people are always like for like you and me living on the East coast, it's like, you know, prices have all been going up like since what, 2012, like prices have been rising in housing and everything like that. But the rest of the country has been like, yeah, we've never recovered. And I've always like not having lived there. I've been like, what the hell are these people talking about? Right. Yeah. Cause like things in like a military town, you know, yeah. it's, uh, things are going pretty well. There's a ton of government money there. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're going swimmingly, but they, they're going, okay. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, but the, uh, most of the rest of the country and, and this kind of, as, as a lot of commentators always point out, this is the, what it kind of explains the Trump phenomenon is like his base was the middle of the country and the middle of the country, you know, all through the eight years of Obama, everybody was going, how great everything is. Look at the stock market and all that sort of stuff. And, and the people in, you know, quote unquote flyover country were going like, what are you talking about? Like, we're still struggling. Yeah. It's like, you know how much heroin we're doing? <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So it is. But speaking of the coasts, 
Yeah. What is it that you sent me earlier today that's been going on in one of the most surprising places to have a resistance to this? So there, there are two places that are having a resistance that neither of us necessarily would have expected. One, because I didn't know what the hell the name of this county was. I've been trying to yeah. figure it out. for. I, I looked it up like six months ago. Um, so I believe it's Modoc County, which is- Yeah, Modoc. Yeah. It's the northern, westernmost northern California county. And yeah, right. they've basically told Gavin Newsom to go eat a dick. They're reopening. They don't care. Yeah, so they've had no confirmed so, cases. Yeah. It, it, so to kind of like give a little bit of background on Modoc County, Modoc County is um, incredibly rural. Uh, it, it's mostly people who work in like logging or mining or something like that or farming. Future side of um, Town. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love Modoc. Modoc is beautiful. It, it's a little bit more arid than uh, I think what most people think of. For California because it's it is kind of over there. I think it actually might even touch Pyramid Lake, but it's very close to Nevada. Yeah, so it, like it, it is pretty it's dry. Western Washington, kind of like weird, right? Yeah. yeah, like I know it's not that close to Western Washington, but yeah, yeah. like but Western Washington, uh, yeah. you wouldn't expect to be a desert, and it is. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and Modoc isn't exactly a desert, but it's a lot drier than what people picture in their head when they talk about California. Yeah, uh, and it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place, uh, but it's also one of the has one of the most heavy support for uh, the state of Jefferson movement to split off from California. So a lot of those border counties with Oregon and Nevada in that area and, and all the way down to Eldorado, Eldorado and I think Amador might be part of the Jefferson movement as well um, is to just split off. It, it's because it's a very different place. You know, this is a part of California I'm from. It is a different place than most of the rest of the California. It's rural. Most people work in, agriculture or mining or logging, you know, those types of resources, uh, they get told a lot of times to do things that just don't make sense for them up there. And, um, like most of small town America and, and rural America, they're all of the young people are leaving, like their average age is high. And, uh, so they just, they're, they're having a hard time. They're struggling. And, uh, this is just another one of those things that they are perceiving as, you know, LA and San Francisco telling them what to do when LA and San Francisco have no idea what's going on where they are. Yeah. And most of them uh, wouldn't even know what Amador County, like they wouldn't even know Modoc County. Right. Like, exactly. They'd yeah. be surprised when they find out like, Oh, there's a County up there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the population of the entire County is 10,000 people. Yeah. It's like, and it's really big. <laughs> it's a big County, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just very rural. And so like, and this kind of goes back to like, there was a couple of states that didn't shut down, uh, South Dakota being one of them. And when the, like people were asking them about it, they were like, the population density of South Dakota is like one per 24 square miles. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, why would we shut down? Nobody's seeing each other anyways. It's like, it's cold out. We're, we haven't left the house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is, I think it's still cold there actually, even though it's uh, yeah. into spring. So yeah, so like it's one of those types of situations. So I thought that was very a very interesting article. I, I like Modoc County. I think I've actually gone to a wrestling tournament up there once or twice. Uh, but if I haven't, I have definitely gone camping up there. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, pretty place, very 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 beautiful countryside. It is. It's a lot. Like I said, it's a lot drier. I I, I would more equate it to Nevada or uh, southeastern Oregon as far as like landscape. But uh, overall, it's it's a very pretty place. Um, so if anybody's up there, bring them some business. They do have a town or a couple of towns. So yeah. Uh, and then, uh, check them out. the other one was, uh, Orange County, 
Like there are several businesses that like one is a, like a, like a ladies garment shop. And, you know, they've been, they've been doing business like where people would call and like do special orders, you know, kind of like people were trying to keep this business afloat right? by doing or, like it. That's what it seemed like is their customers were calling and like making orders. And then like a lady had a double mastectomy and, you know, she was clearly suffering cause she just had a double mastectomy um, sure. and she needed clothes and never clothes fit. And like, so they opened up so she could come in. And, you know, that's like, especially like even in regular times, if like you had had a double mastectomy, like it really does a number on your immune system because generally you get it done because you had cancer. So it's not like she, she didn't need to be around people anyway. So, you know, they were kind enough to open up for her and then they basically were like, yeah, we're not closing again. (laughs) And so they just have been open. And then there's a couple of restaurants who basically said as of May 1st, it's like, no, we're done. And like, Apparently none of them have been fined. None of them have been forced to close. Like they basically have just kind of been like, yeah, we know what the rule is, but we're not doing it. And the, like the, you know, the, the rad outlines have called them out and they've been like, yeah, yeah, the County knows and they haven't done anything and they're not going to. So, and the County's basically said the same things like kind of stop calling us. <laughs> we know they're yeah. open. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, and that, and that, so Good. Well, what's unfair about that, though? You know, my my brother lives down there, and in Orange County is very wealthy, and it, it it is just another sign that 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 money gets gets you different rules. You know, you can have a rural county that gets overrun by uh, by sheriffs or national guard, but then you know you can have a, a very wealthy county that will just be defiant and left alone. Right. Yeah, yeah. and that and that's the weird thing is it's it's the county seems to kind of like the it's not even like big businesses in the county they're they're smaller businesses but it seems like the county itself is kind of like no 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 we we recognize that this was too much and we're not going to do anything about it it, it kind of seems like to me there's a lot of these places that have gone along with it for fear of like some sort of weird retribution and like i think some of them definitely took you know advantage of their wealth status but there's a lot of them who are just like no we're we're we didn't agree with this to begin with. So we're not really going to fight our citizenry over this nonsense. It's like, um, and now apparently Gavin Newsom is like saying like California went from like a multi-billion dollar surplus to like being in the negative and they're not going to make it unless they get federal money. It's like, right. Yeah. uh, Well, and they've, and they've had one of the strictest, one of the strictest shutdowns too. Yeah. I think that's one of those things too that I, and I, and I think people are maybe, uh, starting to, they're starting to at least realize that like what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everyone. And I think that is a really good stepping stone to localization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, you can't have a federal mandate, let alone a, well, you can't have a state mandate, let alone a, a federal mandate, because in, as this, as California kind of shows a, a state that's that big with LA, San Francisco, and then Modoc County which there's like a block in San Francisco or LA has like more people than the entire Modoc County. Mm-hmm. So like what works for them is just not going to work for everybody. And, and, and I think that maybe is going to, well, I'm hoping at least that this is going to sort of start waking people up to that a little bit that, that if they're not going to go full blown anarchists like us, uh, at least they'll kind of like start localizing a little bit. And I think that's kind of the path to a, a freer society in general is, uh, is people kind of going like, 
yeah, you know, this just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work if we're all forced to be in the same boat together. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's kind of been like frustrating me about Hampton Roads is Hampton Roads hasn't basically told Governor Blackface to shove it. Because like, yeah. you know, we were, Virginia was like flying in the face of all of the the rest of the East Coast for a while there. And was just basically yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're seeing what's happening, you know, kind of trying to measure what's, what's happening and, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll take it seriously. And then like, apparently people went to the beaches like a month and a half ago and then governor blackface like freaked out. And then right, yeah. like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're shutting everything down. And like Virginia is like shut down until June 10th, but like the dentist right. can open up again next week. It's like, right. Yeah. You know, I had a dentist appointment. Like I, took time off to go like, cause my cousin was supposed to come to town and then like my dentist appointment got canceled. Cause they like the American dental association advised all of them to like shut down and like, they wouldn't help them with their insurance if like they got sued, you know, just all that nonsense. Right. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, I haven't been able to go to the dentist and my wife had got just snuck in basically, uh, before they did the shutdown and like, she's had a cavity that needs to get filled. And it's like, oh, it's not an emergency dental surgery. It's like, well, you know, losing your teeth is like one of the quickest ways to have a like life, like a negative life impact. Right. And not well, that and, like and, you know, it's going to lose a tooth, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, you know, dental dental hygiene is actually very important to overall health in general. I mean, a lot of infections start out as like a tooth infection that turns mm-hmm. into a blood infection or something like that. So that's yeah. you know. Definitely something to think about. So I think that's it. I think it's interesting. I'm hoping that that's kind of the direction that things start going. And I mean, I, and I also, this is, I mean, it's ter- starting to turn into a political, uh, just a political issue, like kind of like, like the climate stuff is a political issue where it's like, if you don't believe it, then clearly you're a right winger. If you do believe it, then you're clearly a left winger. Yeah. And like, it's like, it's one of those types of things where it's like, now it's like anybody who wants to open up is an evil capitalist and anybody who you know, wants to be shut down is, you know, for the workers and, and what, you know, whatever. So, yeah. you know, and, and of course, yeah, I mean, in this day and age and probably in all day and ages, that's, that's what things are going to turn into is just kind of a, uh, you know, a fractionalization unless people can build local communities and, and function together. And I think that's kind of what. Yeah. That's kind that's, of what, I, what we're all hoping for. And that's a, yeah. But like, so I was listening to the latest episode of the Lou Rockwell show that came out this weekend. And mm-hmm. on the show, he had a guy who I wasn't necessarily familiar with, but I think Lou's linked to a bunch of his articles over the years. And he was pointing out kind of how, like, leading into World War One, how, you know, there was like a, they, like, World War Two and World War One, like, there was a currency war, there was a trade war, and then they capped it all off with a world war. And he's like, well, what did yeah. we just have? This, yeah. depression, now like watch out for the world war. And that's one of the things that Michael Malice has been talking about a lot is how people were drifting away from their incumbent political parties in most Uh places. And then coronavirus. And there has been a polling trend back toward like the traditional like political parties and things like that. And it makes me wonder because you know how bad they, how bad they were on predicting Brexit, how bad they were predicting like the Trump, like win the way he did, um, even though the strategy was very clear what they were trying to do. Right. So it makes me wonder like how good that polling actually is. But that's one of those things that kind of makes me wonder is, you know, we're seeing people like the, you know, 
I can't necessarily speak for Will, but I would assume he's not happy about the shutdown. And it, you know, even if may have thought it was like a possibly a like a good idea for people to voluntarily do, definitely I don't think having listened to several episodes of his show would say that people should be forced <laughs> to um not be able to transact and do business and, you know, kind of live the life that they as they see fit. And it's like how many people were on that path to kind of rejecting the government, but got scared back in line. You know, it's kind of that, right. you know, how many people took the bite of the apple and went, no, 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 like, this is crazy. And how many people are going to be like, oh, no, no, you're Alex. Like, remember guys, you don't want to be Alex Jones. Look at all the conspiracy stuff he says. Right. Like, well, but you know, I mean, in, in this case, I, I would, I would at least, I mean, and granted you and I were already, I wouldn't say you and I, I pretty much had my mind set up started way before the lockdowns. Like when they started talking about this and they're like, Oh, it's really serious. I was like, yeah, whatever bullshit. Uh, yeah. Like it's I, saint, I, it's just, you know, they've been telling us this kind of stuff every couple of years forever and ever. Well, it kind of made me think I was like, not everybody's dead in Wuhan. And if it was that bad, everybody'd be dead. So yeah, well, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was kind of my, that was my biggest kind of point or whatever. was like, where's the stacks of bodies? Like yeah. you would get like, we get these like pictures of like a guy, face down in a subway and they'd be like, Oh, another Corona death. And I'm like, wait, he could have just died of a heart attack. Yeah. And, and how old's the picture? Maybe it's two years old. Like nobody it, knows. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the, you know, the people saying like overcrowded hospitals in New York. And it turns out it was photos from Italy and they still right, tried to yeah. like play it off. Like, Oh no, no, it wasn't wrong of us to do that. It was just, we should have used, you know, cause that's actually happening. It's just, we didn't have a photo of it. Yeah, and, and yeah, and to be to be fair or whatever, to be as balanced as possible, from a lot of accounts, they they have had issues with hospital capacity in New York City, um, but it's not to the degree of like what they were showing in Italy. It's just that hey, yeah, I mean, we we do have a wait time, and it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and that's, these but, are also the same guys that that showed footage of a gun range in Kentucky and said it was that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and, so it's like fool me once, you know, shame on me. But yeah, yeah. It's well, like, and you know what? What the suckiest part about that is is that they could be telling the truth at some point in the future, and, and that's kind of the, that's actually the the caution of the boy who cried wolf. The, the boy who cried wolf is not necessarily a caution against uh, not telling lies. Exactly, it's against that if you tell lies at some point, it's going to be serious Mm -hmm. and, and people won't believe you. And so then, and now you have a, not an obligation, but like you have a, uh, you basically fucked everybody because like, because you've been lying all this time and like, and they're all, you know, really bad about it. They're all liars. And and like that Chris Cuomo thing where like, I mean, it was, it's like so clearly bullshit and, but they're, they were going with it anyways. And, you know, I don't even know what happened with that. Like I, some, you know, cause I just don't, don't have like actual television. Like I just kept hearing his name and I kept thinking people were missing, messing him up with his, uh, what, as I found out his brother. Uh, yeah. Governor. Well, no, so so like, what oh, happened with him is like, supposedly, people. supposedly he got uh coronavirus and then he was giving like reports from his basement where he's like, I'm in isolation from my parent or from my family. I can't see them because I've got Corona. And he's like, I've been shivering so bad. I've chipped my teeth and all that sort of stuff. And then like the next day people see him outside looking at a new house. This guy on a bicycle like rides by and he's like, wait, you're Chris Cuomo. You're supposed to be in quarantine. And he's like, <laughs> fuck you, you asshole. And like stuff like that. And so the guy goes and reports it. And it's like, this dude has been going on CNN telling everybody that he is uh, super sick and stuff, but he's out looking at houses 
with a whole bunch of other people. And, and then even though that story came out and it was widely disseminated on online mostly, but like, I think actually Fox might've reported on it. Um, he still does another segment later on where he like comes out of his basement. He's like, ah, finally a clean bill of health. I get to come out of my uh, basement and see my family and hug them for the first time. in you know, four weeks or whatever. It's like, no, like none of that actually happened. You're a liar. And now we can't believe anything you say. And that's, and that's what it, that's what really sucks about it is that like the, the news, you know, whether you should or shouldn't be able to trust the news or whatever, but it's one thing, but like there, it's just clear that you can't, but you also can't trust online. And so you do end up getting pushed into these kind of factional spaces where from like, from what I see online, and I, I don't know about you guys, if it's the same way from, from what I see online, nobody has had a problem with this. I know of one case that was my niece's dad's cousin's grandmother died of Corona. That's the closest that I know personally, as far as I know. Yeah. And that's a, the, like, I don't mean to like, the, did she even actually die of Corona? Cause like, right. You know, yeah. Cause she was like, like 95. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things is like the PCB test that they do, that people are doing the guy who created it. So it, like, this is, you know, conspiracy theory time for fun times guys. So, um, right. you know, they're, They've never scientifically shown that AIDS is caused by HIV. That's right. And yeah. One of the guys who put that theory forward is the guy who created the PCB test, and he says, "Yeah, you can't test for infectious disease with this." Um, is that the is that Duisburg or whatever? Yeah, so, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so you can't test for um, like that. He hates Dr. Fauci. Like apparently, like. He's some like Dr. Fauci is some huge fraud. And he well, Fauci, Fauci, one of the he was in charge of a lot of that AIDS stuff. And one of yeah. the uh, uh, I can't remember what the medicine was, but one of the medicines that he was pushing for AIDS, like it's been shown to like kill people. It, it's not a it's not a treatment for AIDS. It just kills people. Yeah. So like this, this guy is like, you know, super hates Dr. Like hates this Fauci guy. And he's like, he's a fraud. And he's like. It's not even like he's like Dr. Oz kind of fraud where it's like, eh, the things you say probably aren't that helpful, but like he's killing people <laughs> like, you know, he's medical malpractice and everything. Just like you were saying with the the stuff he's apparently was pushing was not was killing people. And, um, he, you know, won the Nobel prize for the PCB test thing. And he's like, yeah, you can't test for infectious disease with this. And this is how they're testing people for this. And the other thing like that they were doing the test for, um, like it just has a bunch of false positives. So like the tests aren't even good. And at least in the States, like hospitals get rewarded for people who have it that they treat and people who die and you can't tell if they actually had it or not. So like, you know, all these people who are getting like, you know, it's like, Oh, Turkmenistan had their first confirmed case of like country, you know, COVID it's like, using what test, like how do you, right. like, you know, it's just, it's one of those insane things where it's like, we're never going to be rid of this. And like you were saying, when the real one comes, like people are just going to be liquidated. Like it's just going to rip through. Cause and that's the thing is like the like bubonic plague, like actual plagues. They don't, they don't goof off like this where it's like, Oh, you're really sick, but like if we put you on a ventilator, you'll make it. It's like, yeah, 
the bubonic plague just kills you. Like, right. Yeah. When I mean, they, you just get liquidated. Yeah. yeah. Like when that was happening, like when there was no herd immunity, towns just died. Like right. some people were immune and then the rest just died. And some people did recover, but barely any. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think what's, that's the, the scary thing about it is that like, we just, there's it, at this point, you can't believe anybody. I, when not that like you know I don't neither one of us or not none of none of the three of us really trust the government or anything like that but like at at the very least they should we should be able to like believe them about this kind of thing but I mean I, like we at, can't. at the very least like you would expect them to be operating like in a situation like this with going like we don't know what's going on so here's the actions we think are best until we have a handle and here's what we're going to do once we have a handle. Like, right. If like, you know, I never agree with the idea of taking somebody's freedom just to be like, Oh, you know, until we figure it out. Like, you know, people who are, you know, anytime somebody goes like, Oh, red flag gun laws, like this is, you know, until we figure it out. And that's one of the things that always kind of like, I know Jason Stapleton isn't everybody's cup of tea and things like that. But one of the things that always, one of his few positions that always kind of drove me nuts is like the idea of like red flag gun laws. It's like, no, they, you can't deny somebody their rights until some government tribunal can convene and be like, yeah, we're taking your rights away forever. It's like Duncan Lemp. It's like, oh, supposedly he couldn't own guns until he was 30 because of some sort of criminal background thing. It's like, right. Right. Like, so if I screw up as I'm a kid, you can say I can't own a gun until I'm 30. And then no one has any proof of that. Cause like, you know, what is it like a uh, lower like children, you know, kids charges are sealed or whatever. So it's like up to the parents to be like, this never happened. And they'd be like, right. oh, it's sealed. So we can't release the details. It's like, no, you don't, you, it's just like, I'm not going to deny somebody their rights because, Oh, they, something might bad might happen. It's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, right, something bad's right. going to happen. You walk out your door. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. I just wish uh, Bilbo had been better about saying bad things would happen on adventures, but you know, they were still worth taking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of put a pin in Corona talk. Cause we, uh, right. I, I mean, that's the topic right now. So it's really hard to not talk about it. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about something that is more relevant to the show. And, uh, that is an article that was in the sun that I thought was kind of interesting. I shared with that, uh, that with you and I'll go ahead and summarize it. This is by Daniel Jones and the, the uh, it was published on May first. The title is "Wine Plonkers." Experts say leaving a bottle of wine to breathe before drinking is bunkum. Uh, so basically, the the to kind of summarize the story, it is very actually short article. Is they're saying that uh, you know wine lovers, Mason, you and me, uh, having a wine breathe is something that we do, and and from my perspective, it does seem to change the flavor and stuff like that. But according mm-hmm. to this, uh, decanting or letting your wine breathe, uh, doesn't actually do anything to it anymore, uh, because of modern wine practices. So if you get a, if you get like a, a very special wine that is, that's been aging for a very long time, it may, um, it may do like something. If the wine is more than 20 years old, they seem to think that you could have the sediment issues that breathing a wine supposedly helped with. Right. Yeah. But they're, but they're saying that like, if it's a, if it's a wine that's relatively fresh, you know, 
last 10 years or so, um, maybe, maybe actually would be before 20 years, uh, letting it breathe or, or decanting, it doesn't actually do anything. And, uh, and I think that's interesting. Um, well, they actually seem to kind of imply that it was kind of harmful to the wine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause they would oxidize it too quickly and it, it just didn't, you know, didn't improve the wine any. Yeah, well, yeah, that was kind of what they were saying is that may, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's that you you want it to be uh, like, you know, I use those vacuum seals when I, if I'm just going to have a glass of wine, I'll put like the vacuum seal on it mm-hmm. and uh, put it back. Is it like that might be the better option for a fresher wine? But like, even like it, it is a convincing article, even though it's not very long. I just can't agree with it. <laughs> I, I, it does change the wine when you let it sit out and well, it, and, or for better, or for worse. And maybe it's just a matter of, uh, taste preference. Maybe this guy just likes really fresh wine. Well, that was the thing is like in the article, they, one of the people who was espousing that, you know, this was bunkum was, or that, you know, decanting the wine was bunkum was saying that if you have to decant the wine, you haven't aged it long enough like that the wine okay. didn't age long enough and you know, cause the, the wine will oxidize in the bottle slowly over time. So it kind of seemed right. to me like they were saying that like, you know, people are drinking their wine too young and that's one of okay, the that weird, makes sense. You know, things like in France, you know, they don't, they do age wine in France, obviously, but like a lot of fr- French wine isn't meant to be aged. It's to be consumed. You know, it's right. that more like table wine where you're, you know, you're getting a bottle of wine to have a bottle of wine, then not to go like, Oh, I'm going to sit on this for like the next 10 years and like do special rotations and like, you know, right. all that special stuff to keep it safe. And there was some other thing in there that kind of seemed like people were saying like, Oh, it's a hoity toity thing. Like, cause I think they even kind of implied in there that like, you know, the French don't do this and right. Like it's a, it's a, back to like something about back to empire or something like that. Or maybe I was reading something else in the article or like one of those hanger on pieces. Cause it's the suns, but like there's a bunch of links that aren't really links to like articles. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and I do, I, I understand what they're saying, but like the, the, the process of, uh, like having a ritual or a process or whatever, I think does improve the experience sometimes. Mm-hmm. So there are different things where you just kind of enjoy the process. Like, uh, actually, Will, I think you and I were talking about this, and Mason, you have a similar thing, is uh, charcoal grilling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah the, the whole process of setting up the coals and, and doing that sort of stuff, it, it's, it feels good. And then you're outside, you're enjoying the thing, whereas, like, I've got the propane grill or the propane griddle that I use a lot, and it's just basically a switch. You turn the switch on, wait a couple of minutes, and it heats up, and then you're good to go. Um but there is that, you know, there is something to be said about that is lighting the coals, you know, making sure that you have enough time to do that, getting the coals to the right temperature so that your meat cooks correctly, all that sort of stuff. You know, there is a process and there is something nice about that process. And kind of the same thing with, with the wine is when I'm, when I open a bottle for myself, usually I just drink it right out of the bottle or well in a glass from the bottle. But <laughs> when I open a, a glass from uh, a glass for Victoria and me, it goes through the wine filter into the decanter and then I let it sit for a little while in the decanter and then I pour it. And usually it does mellow out a little bit during that process, or at least that's my perception of it, mm-hmm, but it's right. kind of well, fun to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. It's placebo effect. And I don't know why wine would be unique when, uh, you know, I don't drink a lot of wine, but I drink a lot of bourbon and a lot of beer. 
mm-hmm. and it is different pouring them out and letting them sit for a few minutes. It's yeah. it is it's a different taste. It's a different texture. You know, with the beer is some of the carbonation lifts off. And in and yeah. in, in that couple degrees down temperature wise seems to impact the flavor as well. Yeah. Well and that's that's also one thing about wine if you have a if you have a chilled wine and um you know, we, we, we do keep the house a little bit warm. So it's actually, uh, like 77 or 78 here. Uh, so that's actually a little hot for wine, but if you have a chilled wine, there is a big difference between drinking it chilled and then decanting it and letting it warm up a little bit and drinking it a little bit warmer. Like you mm-hmm. get different tastes out of it. And, and, and something I've discovered since now we have the little wine fridge is I actually do like my red wine chilled a little bit. It's mm-hmm. uh, not not a lot, maybe down to like sixty seven, maybe sixty five, something like that. I think it it it's nice. It tastes good, and it's has there's like a lot of those flavors that you Mason and I would describe as kind of like overpowering and punchy. Those mm-hmm. kind of become subdued, and then you have like other flavors that are there as well. Uh, well yeah. And I discovered this because when we were moving here, it was in the fifties, and then I would pour a glass of wine, let it sit for a second, then drink it, and it was probably in you know, I was getting it from outside. So it was in the fifties in the garage and then having the the glass of wine inside and letting it heat up a little bit down to, to, you know, to 60, 65 around that. Like it was just a different, it tasted different. And, well, and I was like, Oh, this is kind of neat. That's one of the things we've discussed is the fact that like Americans generally drink their wines at not the temperatures that the Europeans would drink them. Generally that's they true, drink yeah. their red wines warmer and they drink their white wines colder like where they would naturally be at like a much closer, like the temperature range that like Europeans would, you know, professionals would suggest consuming the wine at or the European flavor, you know, temperature range is like closer together than the American one. And it's also not out on the wings. It's like everything's closer into toward the middle. Like, whereas most people would serve white, like fresh from the fridge, whereas like Europeans would let it come up to into the sixties, but they wouldn't yeah. serve, you know, most people serve their red at room temperature, which in a lot of American houses is in the seventies. And like a lot of yeah. the Europeans would serve that down into the sixties. So, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is interesting. It does change that. So, I mean, I'd recommend people try that out just to, you know, yeah, see what I it's think, like is, you know, cool it down a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I think like the, like, I think one of the things that I'm not saying you weren't taking this from the article, the way they were implying it, but yeah. it seems like you're focusing on a part of it that like that decanting doesn't do anything. They think it does, but what they're saying is yeah, okay, it's not something that should be done because most people are drinking their wine too. Like they're not like that. The decanting process is changing the wine and not necessarily in the good way and that people should be allowing those wines to age more in the bottle and then consuming them a little more quickly because some people who are spending a lot of money on a high-end bottle of wine may decant it and the wine was only going to be good for a couple hours. Like, you know, as you and I have talked about, like people who get those, you know, multi-hundred-year-old bottles of wine that will basically turn to vinegar in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. people are getting these higher and older bought vintage wines and then decanting them and the wine is going bad. And so people, right. you know, it could be that people are thinking like, Oh no, like I, I got sold like a skunk bottle when no, they decanted it and they shouldn't have. And it just, right. didn't, you know, it, it died. 
Yeah, so, and, and like when yeah, and I think we we've talked about this before, where like they'll they'll try like a hundred and fifty year old wine or something like that, and they all have to sit around the bottle and pour it immediately and drink it, otherwise it becomes vinegar. Mm-hmm. And it's like just it's super interesting. So that does make sense, and I think that's interesting. Um, I I ought to reread the article because I think you're right. Maybe I read this wrong, and yeah, or, or I just or I was already focused on like the headline. Yeah. And and trying to like fight the headline. Yeah. And that's where I think like they're, but I also might be giving them more leeway. You know what I mean? Like it's probably closer to the middle on both where like they're saying, yeah, you shouldn't do this. And then I'm focusing on the idea that they're saying like, oh, you know, you should age the wine bottle more, but like it does do something, but they're saying what it does isn't necessarily good. But that's where right. I think it's kind of, that might be kind of the, like I almost want to say like liberal, like, Oh, it's tradition. So it's bad, you know, sort of thing yeah. where like the people, like, I think that's kind of the voice that I'm hearing. Like I heard, like I read it in this voice of like, Oh, it's a tradition. So it's must be stupid. Whereas like they may have been more like, well, you know, the science is you're, you're oxidizing, you know, oxidizing this and you're taking away a lot of the flavor that was meant to be there. You know, like they're very like being like kind of like, jovial and trying to help people and i was reading it as like well you dumb son of a bitch <laughs> like you shouldn't do yeah. this it's like don't tell me what to do <laughs> right well but, yeah you know, I, that makes yeah I like yeah. to throw throw uh, it back to our previous conversation like you know i'm just kind of tired of people trying to tell me what to do all the time um <laughs> you know more now than ever yeah no and i agree i agree uh you guys want to call it there and do our plugs yeah yeah i guess so that's our that's our last note. Don't tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> city of Austin, we will show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, on on the city of Austin note. So for everybody who's interested in going to Childeberg, as of now, Childeberg's still happening. I've been calling the city every couple of days to try to get uh, more up to date information about the status of Emmalong Metropolitan Park. As of the last update, they should be reopening on the eighth. Uh, if they do not open on the 8th, I'll, I'll be letting everybody know via social media and, uh, maybe I'll put out another newsletter and talk about that. Um, that does put it a little bit up in the air, but Texas started opening up on Friday. Uh, I went out to lunch. There was a lot of people out to lunch. It seemed like people are happy to have everything reopen. Austin's a little bit of a different beast. Uh, although, you know, Dallas is kind of a, um, you know, it's a, it's a city, it's a liberal city. So like, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, you know, unhappy with the reopen from a political standpoint. Austin is that times a million. So we'll see what they actually are like, but it is still Texas. So mm-hmm. um, from that standpoint, you know, it's also a holiday weekend. There's a lot of people who made reservations that weekend besides uh, the Childerberg. So I, I am optimistic that they're going to be opening or they'll be able to give me a definitive answer soon. And when I have a definitive answer, I will let everybody else know. But regardless of that, uh, we are still going to be in the area. We've got an alternative campsite that we're going to try to use. Uh, it is first come, first serve. So uh, that is going to be a uh, a little bit different, but we're going we're gonna to do our best to have something going on down there uh, and, and making sure that everybody who wanted to come, it can be accommodated. Cause there's a lot of people who had flights. They still want to just come out because they already have the flight. Uh, and I am more than willing to try to do my best to accommodate everybody. So to sum up that Childeberg's still on as of now.
Yeah. Boom. And so Chilterberg is the 23rd through the 26th, 26th or 25th. Why am I getting yeah, this wrong? Uh, 26. Uh, no, 26. Uh, yeah. 26 in right now, tentatively in Austin, Texas um, of May of 2020. So, you know, that's where we're going to be hanging out, um, doing stuff. You can always follow us on tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy on Twitter, Childerberg on Twitter. You send us an email, uh, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. Pretty sure Will has some stuff he could plug. Yeah. Uh, come always check out Peaceful Treason. Uh, we, post episodes occasionally myself and uh, my buddy jared will try to do this long distance thing and make it work like you guys do <laughs> and yeah. uh we'll 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 both be uh we'll both be at childerberg with bells on um kind of the thing we want to do is try to have uh we got a little field recorder and we're gonna try and do some little five minute beer reviews as we grab random people and if uh and if you've got a beer you think we should try um you know grab us and do it as well yeah, yeah, we'll have a beer that we will review together. So yes, and probably yeah. some others that we don't review, but we'll still yeah. drink together. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. There, there actually, there might be some uh, home brews down there, so maybe we'll we'll be able to try all those out too. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, uh, I think there's some mead coming down. That's yeah. That's what I heard as well. Yeah, some mead. I probably, I might take a sip of it, but I probably won't drink it. Uh, like as like a main drink. I, I've never been a big fan of mead, but. Uh, Mason, I think you like like mead. I have enjoyed some meads. Now that I'm thinking about it, I used to get my wife like a specific mead that I really enjoyed, and I don't remember what it was. Um, but it wasn't Vikings blood. Was it was that, that, drag, that yeah. dragon's blood or Vikings blood? No, like that? we we got that every once in a while. But they there was another one, and I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, I miss some miss having some mead, and I had forgotten all about that. So. <laughs> Yeah. The the yeah. the last mead I had was uh it's one that I think of often because every time I hear your guys' podcast, it was a elderberry mead. Oh. So I always think yeah. uh elderberry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well uh do we have any other plugs, Mason, or should we let Will do his plugs? Or he uh, did his uh, plugs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I it. Think that's everything, yeah. All right. Well speaking of elderberry. <laughs> We'll go ahead and oh dang it. It does it's not finding it. I'll have to add then. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to re upload and add it in. All right. So from us at Tasting Anarchy, stay free. Stay free.